Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm sick of these mother Ultrons on my mother Sokovia! I'm here, Alex. And this week... Hello, everybody. How are you doing? <laughs> We're talking about Age of Ultron. Uh, excuse me, Avengers Age of Ultron? They know what I'm talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. We are also <laughs> doing a double header with Snakes on a Plane. It's going to be a good time. I've never should, seen that movie. We should have actually watched that movie. <laughs> Just as preparation. It's relevant. Alright. Um, so Avengers Age of Ultron, directed by Joss Whedon from 2015. Uh, it has a 75% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, which is, among, is on the lower end <laughs> of the MCU films, and an 83% audience score. <laughs> Tyler. That feels right. What is your best thing and your worst thing about Avengers Age of Apocalypse? Was the accident movie called Age of Apocalypse? No, it was just Apocalypse. Okay. I was going to say... They were probably be... going to call it Age of Apocalypse. And then they were like, oh crap, oh crap, we did, oh, oh no. And then Marvel screwed them over. <laughs> um, probably, probably because they used Quicksilver in the X-Men movies. Yeah? Oh, that's weird. Oh, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Oh, that's a whole thing. Okay. Anyway... Um, my best thing about Age of Ultron is that it's a movie about <laughs> saving people. I'm sorry, I thought you were going to say, is that there's an age, follow me here, of Ultron? <laughs> it's a movie about saving people. Like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of actually, like, oh, hey, we're, we're heroes. We're not going to, we're not going to just, like, abandon a bunch of people to do, we're going to, we're going to go and we're going to make sure we find a way to get them off this island or we're going to die with them trying. Just a fun, you know, critical thinking experiment to, to do with yourself while you're listening to the podcast. Imagine this same scenario with all the Ultron bots and everything and, and Sokovia's being lifted above the ground and then Ultron, if he has it his way, he'll launch it back down and destroy Earth. And imagine the, the DC Extended Universe heroes handling this situation. Specifically Superman and Man of Steel. Yeah. Everyone um, would be dead. And that's and that's not to say that in this movie there's not some kind of gratuitous destruction. There's definitely a lot of people that die in this movie and they just, again, kind of like Avengers, they don't show it, but even more so than in Avengers. Uh, there's a lot of random stuff getting blown up and destroyed, but I mean the heroes are actively trying to stop it during the process. And, the, and there's often fallout from these situations. Yes. Or they, they address that there was a lot of destruction. Yes. Like, they'll say, oh, we sent in some relief support after, like, the Hulk destroys right. a lot of... I, I don't remember where they are in South Africa. Whatever. The, the fight with the Hulkbuster armor. Right, right. Yeah. Consequences. I mean, it's powerful. It's good stuff. Um, that's when I... I mean... This movie is, is maddening, I think, in a lot of ways. Uh, well, should, should, should we go ahead and, and readdress what we've said before? Yeah. I think both of us enjoy Age of Ultron more so than what, what the internet yes. consensus is. I don't know what the actual consensus is of this movie. I hear a lot of people. I feel like I've heard a lot of people be like, oh yeah, that movie's crap. Um, yeah. Very much. And I, I think I always, until this, this recent set of, of watch-throughs, I always put it in the same boat as like Iron Man 3. Where I was like, oh yeah, people just hate that because of the, the comic stuff or whatever. The, you know, they've had the wrong expectations for the trailers. And they don't really, like, 
it's not the, the you know the, the movie's actually really good um iron man 3 clearly you can go back and listen to that review we were not as high on that as either of us expected to be i'm kind of in the same boat with age of ultron not nearly as much um this movie is not iron man 3 in that i it feels like a, a mess of just eh, whatever and just kind of spilled that onto a script and and they went along with it and it just turned into a very bland affair um that's my review of iron man 3 apparently uh this movie feels on the poster. yes this, very long quote they probably would not use that I, I can't or the, the, there's no images from the movie it's just iron man 3 and that's just the quote. <laughs> that's that's the poster um the, age of ultron does a lot of things and tries a lot of things that i really really appreciate has a lot of really great moments um and i think they are best embodied by that at the <sighs> is that your review for the movie <laughs> eh. um I, no i'm trying to decide actually i may i may switch gears on that actually i, oh. may, I might i might do a quick reversal before it's before i've what kind of taken my finger you? off you gotta stand by your guns you can't you can't be flip-flopping all over the place I, before i have taken my finger off the proverbial chest piece i have decided to revert the move such that i'm actually gonna say this will this it'll be a nice dichotomy if you will it's a good word um duality as well would also apply here i think my favorite thing about this movie is actually vision I think he better embodies what I like most about this movie. I think there's a lot of really, really cool stuff they do with him. He has a lot of great moments. He's powerful. He's thematic. They're, they do things with him, and it's great. And I think that everything that goes right in this movie very much has a lot to do with him and his presence. I still do like the fact that they save a lot of people, and they try to do that. But I think Vision overall is what made me fall in love this, with this movie when I first came out of the theater. Um, I don't know that I'd say I'd, I'm, I'm still that high on it, but... Uh, that is one of the moments that, or the the stories, the through lines that stood out to me as I watched it this time around. Um, my least favorite thing, on the other hand, would probably be Ultron after the first 20 minutes. Um, I mean, you could just say Ultron in general, but just specifically, this really feels like they wrote up the first 20 minutes to almost like fill in a trailer. Like... Ultron shows up. He he his voice is very deep and menacing. He's talking with Jarvis and the way he talks is really really interesting like he's I don't know, it's it seems like it doesn't immediately paint him as like this malevolent entity. It's it's very he's trying to figure out his place in this world and like he's very confused and bewildered. And then he shows up to the Avengers as as one of Iron Man's uh, robots, drones guys. Um, and the Iron Legion, and, and, you know, he's talking to them, and the robot's all broken and, and broken and whatever, and he's talking, and he's still got that deep, malevolent voice, and he's, like, you know, tell, explaining to them that, that, you know, he wants to, like, destroy them, and, like, he's... Basically, it's just terrifying. It's great, and he has the great line about the the, the strings on me and everything, that, that through line that comes through it. And it's terrifying, and I, I love it. It's great. Marvel has tried so much in these last... What are we on now? movie 12 something 10 10 or 12 somewhere like that are we that far along continue Um, i will count marvel has tried so hard to come up with a villain who can sell themselves completely on 11 okay um i said did i say 10 or 12 (laughs) yeah (laughs) but they've tried so hard to come up with a villain who sells themselves on how terrifying they are they tried to do that with malachi they try i mean they haven't 
I'm not saying they try very hard on those villains, but they keep trying to put in villains that are supposed to do something like that, whether it's Malachith, whether it's Ronin, whether it's Red Skull. They keep introducing these villains who should be, like... Who's the guy who plays Malekith? It's one of the Doctors. I can't remember. Chris? Christopher Eccleston. Yes. There's a quote from him recently where he talked about both that and G.I. Joe, and he's like, yeah, I hoard myself out for those. <laughs> yeah. Subtle. You're not wrong. You're not wrong, Christopher what, Eccleston. What a true professional. <laughs> he's British. It's fine. <laughs> Anyways, I, I just wanted to... I thought that was an amusing tidbit. That's, that's good. Continue. Um, uh, although I will say, his performance in G.I. Joe is much better than, he, than his performance as Malekith. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Um, as God they, is my witness, you will watch the G.I. Joe movie. Sure. <laughs> they try... They keep trying this This Right formula. after the Free Willy trilogy. Sure. They keep trying this formula of villain where it's this intimidating villain who who is basically trying to sell themselves off the performance alone and the looks alone and they're not really there's not a whole lot to them complexity wise um but they you know they just are are supposed to be at least uh threatening enough and, and intimidating enough and cool enough that the audience doesn't care and they get into him and i think that kind of happened with red skull i still don't really think red skull is that good of a villain at least in first avenger um but in this movie, for the the first few scenes, going up to that speech to the Avengers after the the great little hammer scene, um, Ultron is legitimately he he fills in all the boxes. He's terrifying. He seems to have some complexity behind him. He seems to have actual thematic motivation and and like he he has conflict and and he is a very interesting character. And then, literally the next time we see him, he is this very just muddled like not he his motivations aren't particularly clear he makes cracks a ton of jokes and it really becomes grating and and really takes away from how threatening he actually is he looks strange um i really really don't like his look in this movie we talked about this i kind of had this realization they've they've modeled his uh iron man the the, the iron man drones that he takes over they're kind of modeled after the comics Ultron, where he's got like the red lit or the red kind of smile almost, and it's just a glowing red smile. It doesn't really, it doesn't really have any mouth movement or anything like that. At least I don't think he usually does. And like he's just got glowing red eyes, and that's it. It's just like a metal hole with this red glowing out of it. And the 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 Ultron bots look terrifying because of it. Like they have that. That's what they look like, and they look terrifying. But his actual design, he has his lips move, and he has, like, robot... It, it is very Transformers. It's very Michael Bay Transformers, the, the look is, I think. and Like with Optimus Prime, how he has the mouth yes. guard, but then they remove it so you can see Optimus Prime <laughs> speak? Yeah. Um, For some reason, even though you, you don't need it at all? Exactly. And it's weird. It doesn't look... it. It's not what I when I first watched the movie I was like, "Oh, you know, the I, I want that I want it to be the nice glowy Ultron from the comics because I like the comics." And that was what I came away from and that's why I thought I didn't like the design. Watching it again, I'm like, it actually takes away from how threatening he is because it, it he looks like I don't know, it just it almost looks comical. And then he is he when he's cracking these jokes throughout the entire movie and he's not really he cuts off uh Claw's arm 
early on, which is, is pretty freaky, but at the same time, he's also, like, super weird about, that. like, or he's super jokey. Not jokey. Um, he, he immediately is super apologetic. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That wasn't supposed to... Like, it's supposed to be played for laughs that he's... Yeah. Instead of him being, like, he cuts his arm off, and then, I don't know. I just feel like they completely mischaracterize him after those that, that first scene, that first uh, scene against the Avengers, and then they just turn him into kind of this villain they don't really know what to do with and he's just sort of a big hulking robot that doesn't really look all that scary and i don't know i feel like if he had glow if he can because he his voice also seems to kind of rise and turn you can hear it hear james spader a lot more uh after that scene i feel like if they'd kept it deeper and if they'd had the design be more like of a flat face with just glowing and then you just hear him talking like he does to the avengers originally that would be cool but they don't and because of that, they completely take away a lot of his intimidation factor. And yeah, I'm I'm not a fan. I it's it's not like with Iron Man three, where with Iron Man three, I was I'm okay with the Mandarin twist because I don't think they would have pulled off the Mandarin. I just don't know what you do to pull off the Mandarin, and I don't think that movie was equipped to do it anyway. No matter if that's possible, this movie they had it for twenty minutes, and then they just completely like chucked out the window to do something completely different, very Joss Whedon-y, I guess, and just sort of. Yeah, not a fan. <laughs> I'm I'm just curious if they originally had the design to be the mm-hmm. very static face, and then they brought on James Spader, and they were maybe they were like, oh, we can just do performance capture, and then we'll use the movements on his face, even yeah. though I don't see much of James Spader's yeah. face in Ultron's yeah. face anyway, just because it's so different. So mm-hmm. why does it matter? Mm-hmm. Just use his voice and then his general movement. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, no, I agree. That it feels like his character just kind of just becomes less interesting. Yes, it's a hard cut too. It's weird. It's really weird. Agreed. <laughs> I don't know. I know this movie had a lot cut. Maybe there's more of a transition scene. Not that I that would really make it better, but at least it would explain. Why they're such a different? I well, do we do we need to address the the whole Tony Stark creates Ultron angle there? That's not even really my main issue. We can talk about that as it comes up. Well, as as an excuse for his humor and his yeah, quotes. I mean there is yeah, um, I don't know. <laughs> All right, well, we'll, then we'll, we'll come back, we'll come back to that whole we'll move on topic in a second. My favorite thing about this movie is the third act. Mm-hmm. Which is weird, because I feel like a lot of people don't care for the third act because it's just the Avengers fighting a bunch of robots. Mm-hmm. I find it a lot of fun, and I especially like all the stuff when the helicarriers show up, and they, they start to rescue the people, and, and Captain America takes a stand of, of going, no, we are getting every single mm-hmm. person off of, off of the city. It's great, mm-hmm. and there's just so many great moments. I feel like the movie really picks up steam in the second half Mm -hmm. i feel like there's a around vision uh, yeah around vision (laughs) once we get the weird thing of thor just showing up being like there's infinity stones future movies here's the script everyone (laughs) after that i feel like the movie really picks up steam yeah um and then the first half is kind of muddled and it's all right we're we're trying to get it going here yeah oh hey ultron's interesting oh never mind (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for some reason the, the the fact that they're fighting a an army of like a bunch of Ultron drones doesn't bother me. 
well, maybe, I think... it's, maybe it's solely because we get that scene where they're all in the circular room and and they're just all fighting Ultron bots and it's the coolest thing ever. That's my thing. Is that... this this is the one time I will really geek out and say that man that scene was cool. <laughs> and I I think people think of it like oh they're fighting a bunch of robots and it's boring, but the difference between this and not to to immediately turn around and go the difference between this and the lowly DCU that we're gonna bash all over today. Um, but I legitimately we because I th- I was thinking about this would be watching once again. We... Take a deep breath <laughs> and consider what Man of Steel Superman <laughs> would do in this scenario. But really, no Suicide Squad. Oh God, how would he have handled Hulk in South Africa? <laughs> There'd be nothing left. Tell that the Hulk snap neck. <laughs> no, um, really though, um, Suicide Squad. In Suicide Squad, they fight a lot of formless minions who are actually humans transformed and that's a whole deal anyway we complain about the fact that they're just fighting kind of nothings um and i think i feel like i need to address the fact the reason why at least i personally am okay with it in this movie and it's not just because we are getting checks from disney um i legitimately think that this movie because they choose to use just a bunch of faceless drones allows the avengers to show off it's it's not it's not the case of I mean, it's it's the same thing as with the Chitari kind of, where they're they're you know just going around and, and doing whatever. But um, in this movie, also because they're drones, they can really just like tear them apart and just do whatever. And I feel like it's very interesting to watch. They do a lot of cool visual things with it, especially in that big circle scene. Um, there's just a lot of cool moments because they can just show off and do exactly what the Avengers are supposed to do uh, with their powers, which is murder everyone. Correct. You would have been really lame if they showed up to fight all the Ultron bots and they said, oh, it's after working hours. Conveniently, nobody's in Sokovia right now. The entire country... Good job, everyone. It's the weirdest thing. The entire country is on vacation. It happens. (laughs) You know. Get get us off this train of thought. Keep going. (laughs) But yeah, that's my best thing. I I really love the the final act of the movie. Like, I, I could almost just watch that in a vacuum. Like, mm-hmm. once once Vision shows up, just kind of just watch the rest of the movie in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that I don't like the rest of the movie. I do. There's a lot of cool things in this movie. It's just that yeah. whole part, I, it really excels. Yeah. It really knows what it's doing. And little bonus best thing, the bit where, where Hawkeye's giving his little pep talk to Scarlet Witch. And he says, we're in a giant floating city fighting an army of robots. I have a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense. <laughs> what this movie does with Hawkeye is pretty genius. Mm-hmm. Um, where they con- they continually put in the moments that you're like, oh, he's gonna die. Oh, they're gonna kill. Oh my, it's it's so obvious. Just ma- and then he doesn't. And you're like, oh. And I remember watching the movie originally and thinking that Quicksilver sacrificing himself to save him was like, oh, you introduce him and then you kill him off. That's okay. I whatever. But it's actually. I think very effective watching it again because you do get a lot of a lot of just kind of there's not a ton of like directly saying this but you get the feeling throughout the movie that Quicksilver is very anti-shield and Avengers and like he doesn't like authority and that sort of thing and then him coming around and dying for the cause is I think very powerful I I just find it fascinating how I I think I probably just entertainment level still prefer the X-Men Quicksilver more Mm mm-hmm but this Quicksilver gets a more compelling arc because in Days of Future Past, 
Quicksilver's in it for like a couple scenes and then he's gone. Like there's no character arc for him. He's yeah. just he's he is a plot device. Yeah. An entertaining plot device, but he's a plot device. Then then in Apocalypse he they, is they give him a non-character arc. Right. Like he gets yes. so close to having something and then just flatline. Like hook line and oh, oh you let it go. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas here yeah, you kill him off, but he actually he, he has a purpose mm-hmm. other than being a walking mm-hmm. plot device. I don't know. It's fascinating. Do they really address his death much in the other movies? I, that is one thing I have to question. Well, uh, I mean, obviously we'll find out over the next few weeks here, but I feel like... They it, might address it a little bit with Hawkeye and uh, Scarlet Witch. Okay. Because I know right. he says something because he rescues her from a, um, the Avengers facility, mm-hmm. and then he says I owed her a favor or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he saved me. Yeah. Is, th- yeah, there's some connection there. Okay, but I, I really love the scene where he gives her the pep talk, and then and then he said, I think I've probably talked about this before, where he goes, okay, I, I can leave you here. Your brother will come get you. It's all good. But if you walk out there, you're an Avenger, and mm-hmm. it's like that's great. And then she does, and it's it's epic, and she like rips some Ultron. Bars you remember when heroes apart? can be inspiring? You know, what would be great. He holds out the bow and arrow, and he says, "On my world, it means hope." <laughs> and then they start playing the Man of Steel music. They're gonna say, and then they start playing Sabotage. <laughs> I don't know. Every movie is better if you play Sabotage during it. I'm just saying. Should I? Should that have been? I don't think we've watched Star Trek three when this came out. Or when we started this podcast, but I feel like that should have been our title. Everybody, everything, every movie is better with sabotage. The podcast, even though we haven't reviewed Star Trek three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Star Trek Beyond. Oh yeah, yeah. Star Trek three is the search for Spock. Yeah. I figured. Anyways, <laughs> my worst thing <laughs> is the weird. I think this is the thing most people point to. To like, this is where the movie just completely stops. Mm-hmm. to be a trailer for other movies mm-hmm. it's it's the weird bath sequence with Thor where he's trying to figure out what's going on with his vision that Scarlet Witch helped him see and he sees Ragnarok kind of even though it doesn't really look a whole lot like what we get with Ragnarok other mm-hmm. than just lightning shooting everywhere which is fine um, there's just no explanation as to what's happening Yep, he kind of just finds self and is like we're gonna go do a thing and then they just go in there and they're like, that's the magical spot and it'll help me see things more clearly. And then he finds out about Infinity Stones, I guess. It's just very dumb. And I, I believe that's all studio mandate. They kind of forced Joss Whedon to include that yeah. stuff to set up future movies. Yeah. Which, even in though, hindsight, I'm kind of... I, I kind of wish that... They, they should have just found a more organic way to include yes. it. Um, but in hindsight, like the, it is should, like in Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, there should have been just a way for them to find out, like, whatever gem Vision has mm-hmm. that comes from Loki Scepter, Thor should just figure it out there's, that there's more of those. And then he's like, I'm going to go find the rest of them. And then, woo. Mm-hmm. Then he goes. Then Ragnarok happens. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's a waste of, like, a good, like, five, ten minutes yeah. where we could be It's not much. Elsewhere. It's just... It, it kind of throws it, things it off. It stops the movie. <laughs> yeah, and you're just like, what? I mean, it, it, it doesn't... And I know there's an extended It's really scene. not long enough. There's, there's, like, some weird sorceress that they talk mm. to or something, and she, like, takes over Thor's body and starts talking to Selvig or something mm. weird. It gets very weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I wouldn't say it's necessarily it stops the movie because it's really not long enough to do that but it's just it kind of it just comes out of nowhere and then while there's other things happening you're just like what what's this yeah and then Thor just kind of disappears and then comes back and it it, 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 feel, it feels a bit like like the the nightmare sequence in Batman vs Superman yeah yeah no definitely um I would agree where it's just like wait hold on I, I, I need a little more explanation as to what the context <laughs> yeah, is here. Yeah, except it's not as cool as that scene yeah. out of context, so kind of, yeah. Um, Points to Snyder, question mark? Sure, I mean, I yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Even though Batman's murdering everyone? But I, but I mean, in, in that we've discussed this. That scene could work. It could work, but it doesn't! <laughs> um, but yeah, it is it is interesting watching back, and it's like, oh wait, Audiences have actually had two different movies. Now I'm just imagining. I'm sorry. I gotta say this. I gotta say. I'm just imagining Superman walking in when Batman's hauled up and he's chained there. Right before Superman like shoves his arm into Batman's chest or whatever, he goes, "On my world, it means open." <laughs> I find it really interesting that, that audiences terrible. get two different movies that set up the Infinity Stones, with and they're two of the more watched movies at least um obviously they couldn't they didn't really have time to do that in avengers but in, they did that in guardians galaxy and age of ultron they basically have scenes in both that are like hey these are the infinity stones and like looking i feel like going through guardians it works really well they do a good job of just kind of like slipping that in there because the MacGuffin of the movie is an infinity stone anyway so they're just like yeah sure yeah um this one because it's not directly about something it's kind of like or about the infinity stone and because they just like are like oh we need to do it now and like it, it yeah it it's very shoehorned in um and then, but i think and then thor just shows up to reactivate vision's body yes but i th i think it, in hindsight though it is nice to have that seat like as jarring and as much as it doesn't work within the context of this movie and it, this doesn't really affect my grading of this movie because it should work in context um but it is kind of interesting that that's there because i feel like that's a scene that is one of those scenes that a lot like I think of a lot of the characterizations and stuff in Iron Man 2, I think that it's going to impact audiences or at least sit with audiences a little better um, over time, even if they forget like what movie that came from or like how much. I feel like that helps to push the general public knowledge of the MCU to be like, Infinity Stones, we kind of know what those are. Those are things. We've been told about this before. The script's told us. Um, Wait, what's that on the ground? Is that the script? <laughs> yeah, and so... It's interesting. Um, I, I feel like overall it was probably a good idea to bring it up, but it should have been much more organically woven in because as it is, it's literally just a side quest. Also, I'm a, I'm a little fuzzy. I can't remember what Thor says at the very end of the movie because he seems... Is he going to find out more about the Infinity Stones or is he going to find out more about his vision? Cause he seems... His vision, I think, specifically. Okay, because... Well, that, that makes the Infinity Stone stuff even less necessary in this. Yeah. Because at, at the end of the movie, he's like, I'm going to go find more about the Infinity Stones. Woo. I don't remember. I don't... He might have said something like that. I don't know. It, it, my point is, it seems like two very separate things that mm -hmm. he kind of just jams together mm -hmm. in the movie. I, I, I just find it baffling. He, he, he activates Vision and he's like, guys, hold on. Let me take 30 seconds ex and explain what's going yeah. on in this universe. There's these things called Infinity Stones. We haven't found all of them. We'll get to those, audience. <laughs> but they're important. Yeah. 
And I really wish Captain America or Iron Man were just like, what are you talking about? We're not talking about Infinity Stones right now. We just activated an android. Yeah. What, what's what's the, the joke from um, Days of Future Past where... Uh, the, is it he says something like you just had a really bad trip or something like that you're just on really bad acid yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> just like Thor what are you you're just you're very high just <laughs> roll with it and then Ragnarok happens yes um no I cause like the whole point is that it's like he's, he's like oh this thing's super powerful we want it on our side we don't want to let yeah I want to make sure that that Ultron doesn't get it. Yeah. Um, there's a better way to do that. There really is. I I just I feel like there's there's enough little bits of fat that they could have cut out of this movie. Yes. Just to extend that scene where he's explaining himself another like minute or so. Yeah. yeah. Just a little bit of extra dialogue to make it into an actual conversation instead of just an or, exposition dump. Or make it happen towards the beginning of the movie so that we find out what Loki scepter is yeah. pretty much right away yeah. and it's not like a mystery it's like an oh what's this oh it's a stone also it's very confusing because then that makes it really interesting if it's like oh Tony wants to work with the stone and that like he's like this thing's super powerful we could use this to protect the planet Yeah, and that's like what really draws him into it as opposed to him being like yeah code Loki scepter whatever I'm gonna use it like I feel like that makes it into a more organic in universe choice of like oh this is Tony Stark having to decide whether or not to use an Infinity Stone. It's like the ring from yeah. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Very similar, same idea, you know, with, with um, is it Gondor? Gondor. Gondor wants the ring, right? Yes. Yeah. It's been a while. Um, it's Gond- I was Gondor or Rohan. Gondor. I know. You know your I know. way around Lord of the know. Rings better than me. It's fine. It's it's late. I'm tired. Just just roll with it. Um, but it's the same How idea. How many times have we used that excuse? Several. <laughs> it's the same idea. Too many. <laughs> with, uh, this where it's it, that I feel like that would make it a more central thing of like oh here's the stone trying to decide whether to use it maybe it turns into anything where Ultron steals it back something like that wouldn't it be just a lot neater if if more efficient if Tony shows up in Strucker's base and he finds the he, he sees Loki's scepter like snapped in half or whatever it's been opened yeah. and then he just yeah. sees the, the stone next to it yeah something like that I don't know but then he might have grabbed it, and I don't. If that destroys people like the purple one in Guardians, I don't know. They could figure it out. Or if like like Strucker like tries to break it open and use it directly because yeah. he needs to defeat the Avengers, something like that. Yeah, I agree. All right, do we want to talk about the weird opening for this movie and how it just? Yeah, it it starts in a counterintuitive. It starts in a place that is the reason that the first half of the movie is very hard to get into it's a very counterintuitive spot to start it in but mm. i also completely understand yeah um it starts off in the middle of an action scene where they're they're attacking strucker's um hydra base it's the last hydra base yeah. and that's that's the first indication of like eh, i'm not sure about this where they're specifically talking about they've already invaded several hydra bases yeah and my thing is just that at the end of the first avengers we they're not really like a team no no they split up and um, Maria Hill's talking to Nick Fury and she, she specifically goes what what happens when we need them again and Nick Fury goes oh they'll, they'll show up they'll yeah. help us but it's like they've all we, gone yeah. they've all gone their separate ways they specifically say that it's like we, we it would be nice if we could have their first sort of official mission as the Avengers yeah um, 
come together. You know, I want to see that. My a Winter Soldier could have solved this easily for mm-hmm. me. At at the end of the movie, instead of saying, "Oh, we're immediately going to go searching for Bucky," what if they say, "We've got to put that on hold. We've got all this Hydra stuff we still need to uncover." Call on the team, and that's how you end. I mean, Winter Soldier. I guess my thing is just I want the interactions. I want the interactions of these people meeting again and being like, "Oh, we need to get together," and you know, go. And I want. I feel like it'd be really nice if this was an organic thing. Where it's sort of like an oh fancy seeing you here thing where everyone comes back together because they're all looking for Loki's scepter for one reason or another. Maybe this is maybe Thor already has the vision about the the Infinity Stones at the beginning of the movie. He comes in, he's looking for Loki's scepter. He's like that thing is important. I need it. Um, it's Infinity Stones. We got to guard it. We got to protect it. I can keep it on Asgard. And then Tony Stark's just I mean everyone like Captain or Captain America is just trying to hunt down Hydra bases. Him and Black Widow are at least. Bruce Banner's along for the for the ride, and I mean, I guess Hawkeye's joining them as well. And then, like, Tony Stark specifically is maybe trying to, I don't know, maybe he knows the the scepter is powerful and he wants to use it to help protect the Earth. So I feel there's such an an easier start to this movie than having trying to get your audience caught up to speed with jumping six months in and kind of just having you accept these different relationships because that is one of the big complaints about this movie as well is the relationship between Bruce Banner and Natasha and it's like it, it we need some they have enough scenes alone that I don't think it's completely out of nowhere in the first Avengers but we need some more stuff going on like we need yep. to, we need some sort of foundation to this as opposed to like they seem to be sort of dating but like maybe they don't until part of it or like they don't I don't know we don't really know exactly where they are in their relationship and we don't really know what if how the, long that's been the, okay opening scene just just <laughs> follow me here for my quick fanfic of this <laughs> movie opening scene they're on a date it's like whoa they're on a date that's yeah. weird yeah they're they're trading Joss Whedon quippy dialogue mm-hmm. building up a relationship then in the middle of the date they get cut off by Tony Stark he's like hey guys we gotta go fight Hydra and then you have your opening titles and it's just a montage of them all getting back together yeah Something like that. I mean, I think that would be good just to see, even it, like just show like a super awkward first date between them. Where like I know these movies aren't big on opening titles for the most part. I know. Mm-hmm. I think Incredible Hulk's like the only one that really yeah. does yeah. one, right? Pretty sure. No, every... Iron, Iron Man two does one too because it's Whiplash building all of his equipment. Right. The less said about that, the better. Yes. Um, I'm pretty sure all the other ones don't really do opening. Yeah. Well, no, Guardians of the Galaxy does too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I yeah. I think you could do something. So they could have done it. It wouldn't have been that jarring. Yeah, I, I feel like you could do something that brings the team together again in an organic way, and we find out okay, now they're all going to work together as a team, and it's like hey, we're back together. You know, like they never really established them as this is a super team. They're working together to do super t- yeah. super things. They're going to be sent out on missions constantly. That's never really set in, pl- in stone. It's just. We introduced them, it's like however many months after the first Avengers, and it's like, oh yeah, they're all working together as a team. What are you talking about? They've always done this. Yeah. Um, it's I, the, the metaphor I gave to you was that the, uh, it's a cliche on sitcoms that whenever the two uh, characters that the fans have been shipping for a long time, they get together, there's always the, the part where it's like, well, yeah, have you had the talk? Or we need to have the talk about what we are, and it's because it's like it starts off with them just kissing. Oh, you mean the talk that they... That, uh... Gamora and Peter Quill having Guardians too, sure, sure, yeah, that exactly, and so TV tropes. 
Um, but it's it's the thing, yeah, it's the thing where you you got to have the the you know the everyone's like, oh, have you had the talk yet? And they're like, no, we have. And like the end, because you know they got together by kissing, and then they're like, oh, but now we have to like. Uh, and so, I need that for the Avengers getting back together. I need to know the know how they discussed this and what happened when they got back together and if there was conflict or if you know they got back together right away and it was like yeah we're working together we're friends I need to know what that was like and what foundation we're working with with these characters now because it kind of feels like we're almost using the same relationships between everybody but they've they're supposed to have been working together for months. My only problem with that is I feel like you have to drastically change how the movie's structured. You do. You're not like, wrong. Like, I feel like you have to spend the first half hour to 45 minutes getting the team back together. But I want that half hour and 45 minutes getting... Because I think that that is... The first Avengers... And that's what, this this kind of gets to the heart of why I think this movie doesn't quite live up to the first Avengers. Is that the the first one is very much... Um, at least from my point of view. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what you feel. Um, I feel like the first Avengers, even though there's not a lot of plot stuff that is like super interesting i think there is some really interesting stuff in here not so much maybe as much in that one that one's a lot more by the bones but bare bones by the book words <laughs> um there are no strings <laughs> on me i feel like that one's a lot more straightforward but it's built on the character interactions and everyone getting together for the first time and meeting each other and and all that stuff and bouncing everything and so that movie has a very dedicated vision eh. um of like okay oh you're bad yes no. we're getting all the characters together redacted it we're this is the meeting this is the first time everyone's on board and then we're you know they're all coming together for different reasons all around loki and then they get together and then they go fight the the aliens in new york and then that's an epic third act that just is amazing and that is the that is the whole of avengers it is specifically we're getting all these characters together so that they can go fight some aliens and we're going to spend a good portion of the movie talking about how these characters interact. We're going to spend some time talking about how maybe there are problems with their relationships and maybe conflicts that are going to arise from these characters interacting. And then we're going to talk about how they can still do something amazing by coming together as a team, even if they do have flaws and faults and don't quite get along with each other. And then this movie, because we start off on this foot, there's not a ton to do that's interesting with the relationships. There's just like... There's the nice hammer scene. The hammer scene is amazing. And we can talk about the different uses of the hammer throughout the movie. Um, but aside from that, like, I don't know. That party scene is nice because we get a feel for kind of how these characters feel about each other. But the rest of the movie needs to have more of a reason. I don't know. I feel like the characters, we just don't know how they're supposed to be interacting because we miss so much time with them and them working together. It just, it really throws me off. And I think that it, it's missing kind of almost like an easy way to establish more interactions with these characters and establish how they're supposed to work together um because they don't because we're just like yeah this is just the normal this is this is how things always work what are you talking about um as opposed to if it was a getting the band back together movie in which case we'd have something to talk about we'd have something to see these characters and maybe how their individual movies have changed them and, and coming them back together there because we don't really address how did the rest of the Avengers react to the events of Iron Man 3? And how did the rest of the Avengers react to the events of Thor the Dark World? And how did the rest of the Avengers react to the Winter Soldier, to be a more, on a more serious note? And so, like, we need all of that, I think. Stuff has happened since the last Avengers. Just imagine, like, Hawkeye's reaction to Thor the Dark World. 
Okay. <laughs> Thor is like, so this is... And Hawkeye's just like, I, why are you telling me this? So who's Jane? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think I'm quite in the same boat as you about that. Yeah. Just because I feel like this movie has so many, so much more ambition in other areas that I don't think it necessarily had to focus on that. I just needed a little bit more. My my thing maybe is not so much that this movie didn't do that as the fact that we never got that. Like it, it it didn't have to be in this movie. Yeah. But since this is the next Avengers movie, I really wanted to get more of that, especially since the next time we see the Avengers all together is Civil War. Yeah. Which is the breaking up of the team. So it's like we get one movie to see what they look like normally, and it's almost just like a snapshot. It doesn't. It you know we don't get the foundation more foundation to these relationships. We just sort of like all right, we kind of have to get used to this is this being the dynamic. I don't know. Where do you want to go? We, we could do Ultron's whole plan, or we could do Natasha and Bruce. Let's do Natasha and Bruce. Let's get that over. Let's not. Um, I have stated before that my my thinking a, a lot of times on relationships in movies, that I really give them a pass most of the time, because I'm like, these are two adults who are attractive. If, if you want them to get together, it's really not that big of a stretch for any particular two adults to get together. It's fine. Usually my big thing is when somebody immediately goes, I love you, or something to yes. that effect. Which does not happen in this like movie. Like Spectre. Yes, sure. Um, but that does not happen in this movie. This movie, we are presented with Natasha and Bruce as like, oh, they're kind of, you know, figuring things out. They need to have the talk. And <laughs> they do have the talk about how they're both kind of horrible death machines. And... Where Joss Whedon pisses off all the, the social justice warriors... Don't even mention though the, don't don't mention the internet terms even we don't we don't need that on this this nice podcast. even though we don't need either side even just, though nobody is actually willing to look at the dialogue yeah. that is said yeah. there is a controversial moment where black widow talks about how she kills a lot of people and then leads that into the fact that she is sterile because her ceremony for being an assassin in the is it the black widow program what's what's that called again i should know this they don't Okay, they don't mention it. it's a thing from the comics. I don't remember. Do, is um, it the red room or something? Yeah, like yeah. And and her ceremony for completing whatever the her training is that they they or as as part of that they have to make her, or they make her sterile so that she can essentially use her body as part of her spy assassination techniques and that she doesn't and have not, to worry about yeah, babies. and not get attachment to a family. Yeah. And then she says, "So see, we're we're both monsters." And a lot of or people took that he, up. or you know you still think you're the only monster yeah. on the team. Yeah, and so a lot of people apparently took that because the exact previous words she said were something about being sterilized and therefore took that to mean she's a monster because she can't have children. I don't even think that's the exact words before she says that. It's not. It's fine. The exact words before she says it are something to the effect of the reason they did that to me was so that I could kill people better. Yeah. But no, let's skip that part and go back to the fact that that... She's sterile... Sterile equals monster is what some people yes. read that as. Just which squished the words in between, <laughs> squished the words before, and that's all that is. So that's a very silly controversy. Um, because that's see, not at see, all. See, you pick out whatever you want, and you can yeah. make up whatever meaning you want. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> that's how life works. Um, and that's my review of Star Wars: The Last <laughs> Jedi. <laughs> no, no, that's my review of the the internet reviewing Star Wars: The Last <laughs> Jedi. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, uh, overall, I don't really have a problem with how it's set up because again, we just ju- this is why I want a foundation. We well, just also, jumped into this. The scene where her and Bruce are at the bar, mm-hmm. she actually gives a very good motivation for why she wants to be. With oh him. yeah, no, there's a great line where she says, um, "Was it specifically um, like all my life I've been." I've been surrounded by guys yeah. who are always fighting. Now, now I'm into one guy who uh, decides not to fight because he know knows he'll win. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, right? who who spends his whole life trying not to fight because he knows he's gonna win. Yeah, um, and it's great. I, there's some really excellent writing in this movie. There's some that's not. There's some. There's some lines that don't quite land so well. There's. It's some, mostly the jokes. There's a there's a lot of flat jokes. The, the Michael Bay factor here, or our joke, which what? to be fair is not the, in this place. It doesn't really apply because it's not weird jokes. Oh, I was gonna say eighty percent. Sure, sure. Every okay. four out of five jokes land. Yeah, I might say three out of five, or I'm not gonna get into the ratios. <laughs> it's not. We'll, we'll go. It's we'll, we'll split the difference. Three and a half out sure, of five sure, jokes. There we go. <laughs> Seven out of ten. There we go. We got it. Um, Seven point two. <laughs> Come on. Okay, so that's get it together. <laughs> uh, so seventy-two out of one hundred. We're already five forty-five minutes in. I don't feel like we've actually talked about this movie yet. So that's actually thirty-six out of fifty, which is oh, he's still going. <laughs> eighteen out of eighteen out of twenty-five. I don't think you can break. Yeah, eighteen out of twenty-five. Why are you still talking? <laughs> um. It's not weird jokes like it, Michael Bay. I give it a B, everyone. We'll see you next time. <laughs> it's not weird jokes like Michael Bay. It's not It's not like they're just like, why did you say it? It's just like, oh, you, okay, you, it's fine. Um, and of course, watching it again, you already kind of know the joke's coming, so it's, it doesn't hit quite as, as, as well. There are some really, really funny moments, though, as well. Um, the, the, the jokes that do land, a lot of them land really, really well. Pretty much every joke involving Hawkeye lands. <laughs> yes, yes, it's great. Um, I have realized watching this movie Captain America is my first favorite character in the MCU Hawkeye's my second largely because of this movie I would argue yes. like like he gets a lot to do with this and it's they, great they, they totally make up for his I I argue yeah uh, misuse in the previous film sure sure um I was gonna say um but going back to Natasha and Bruce they I think there's not enough setup Yes, there's not enough setup both in terms of we don't get to see how this started and we don't really know where they are. Yeah. Because, like, that kiss that they have towards the end seems to be the well, first it, time. It also leads into your confusion about getting the ba- band back together. Yes. Like, so are we supposed to assume that they've building up, been building up this kind of... Well, I guess we, we're supposed to assume that because of the, the lullaby thing that puts yeah. the Hulk... Like yeah. turns turns the Hulk off. Were you gonna say you are we supposed to assume this has happened while they're part of a team? Yeah. Or yeah, did like this they, they, before? They build or, up their flirtatious yeah. relationship since they've been hunting yeah. down Hydra. Um, I don't know. Um, but overall, I think there's a lot of great dialogue between them. I think a lot of I I don't think I completely forgot about the lullaby. That's a nice touch. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I think there's a lot of good scenes between them. I don't. I think that you know that generally, it doesn't push it too far to be like, oh yeah, they're completely you know, like in love now that I've forgotten that never mind I don't have a problem with this at all my only problem with it I kind of don't think they have great chemistry together that's that's fair I'm I, I don't feel that strong about that I, I think it's more just this is like yeah. the first movie where they've really started yeah. to 
I mean, I don't, I don't know. necessarily have a problem with it, especially not the way that most people have a problem with it. Uh, but I do think I'm kind of like, I just don't know really if they work necessarily. Mm-hmm. And I feel bad because I feel like this might be me thinking, oh, it's Scarlett Johansson. You got to pair her with the Chris Evans or the Chris Hemsworth, like, you know, the, the pretty boys or whatever. And, you know, Mark Ruffalo is a little more... You are a good woman. <laughs> I am a good man. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, but, like, the, I, I don't know. I just feel like they don't quite have maybe the rapport they should. Um, I don't know. Yeah, now that now that I remember the lullaby, I don't have a problem with that. That's, that's fair. I think it's not... But, well, just by that, and I think they have, like, a little bit of dialogue after they've taken out Strucker's base. Like, they have a little bit of dialogue. They're like, oh, there's something... Okay, They've, they've been building up a rapport. Like, there's... Yes. And then, yeah, I, I can just assume that they've been building that up since they've been hunting. hunting but it's still hiking. it's still it, an issue it, of how far... Uh, no, I, I think it's it it increases my problem of we should have more backstory. Yes. But it decreases my problem of them as shipping yes. them as a romance. I see. I don't think there's any problem with it, with that the way that a lot of people do. I don't know. I, I, I really like that conversation they have at Hawkeye's house where they're discussing mm-hmm. the relationship and then he's like... I, I, and then they connected back to the Incredible Hulk how he couldn't get it on with Liv Tyler because he'd Hulk out and he's like I physically can't what do you want from me is that you said it's your quote on the poster <laughs> the connection back to the Incredible Hulk where he can't get it on with Liv Tyler everyone remembers that from the Incredible Hulk <laughs> two out of five stars <laughs> would recommend positive review on Rotten Tomatoes um yeah, you know it's weird. I see three out of five reviews, and some of them are run, and some of them are fresh. I'm like, consistency, please. It's the reviewer chooses. I, I know that's what's maddening about it. <laughs> well, maybe they're giving it a seven point two out of ten, and then... <laughs> or an eighteen out of twenty five if you prefer that scale. Ooh, I don't uh, like any of this. <laughs> Where do you want to go next? Let's talk about Ultron's plan. Sure. Do, does it bother you that they kind of go the, the typical AI, uh, humanity is terrible, I'm going to destroy everything type route with, it with him? It wouldn't bother me if they explained it. They start to explain it. They start to be like, oh, look, he's looking at things. Oh, he's kind of... But they don't explain what he's trying to save it for. Well, he keeps talking about evolution. And... It's I, a, it's apocalypse. It really is. Yeah. It's, well, I, I like the bit where he's, he's like, um... um or I guess apocalypse is this. He keeps, he keeps talking about like apocalyptic things that have happened. It's like the Earth keeps faces catastrophe for every once in a while. Believe me, God's winding up. Mm-hmm. It's a very nice line. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'm led to believe that he just wants humans dead so he can just build like robot stuff. I guess. I guess, but I why? What is he? To be fair, it's the same problem I have, like with with uh, oddly enough, Terminator Salvation, mm-hmm. where like we go to that weird machine city type thing. <laughs> I'm just like, what are they gonna do once humanity's dead? Or other... the Matrix? Or the Matrix? <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's a bit different because they're they're way more sentient, true, and they have way true. more consciousness, I guess. So yeah. it's just like, oh, they're they're kind of like people, yeah, yeah. So they're just living lives. I don't know. I have a problem with AI stories past <laughs> what did they expect to do when once they've accomplished yes, their goal. Exactly. And in this movie, it seems like we're going to kind of get some of that because like, I think it's really cool when he has the flash through all these different things and he's like, oh no, this is bad. I don't yeah. like this. 
Um, and he's having his mental freak out, and Jarvis yes. is Jarvis is saying, "If you just shut down for a second, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm completely fine." He's going through all this information and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, oh, that's terrifying. Oh, I, I love when he says the mission. I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. Too bad we don't get that Ultron for the rest of the movie. Because like, what if what if this wasn't a <laughs> except movie? for the final scene where he's talking to Vision? The final scene comes back to, and the, that's why I think the movie kind of. And that's why the is third that act overall is the best scene of the movie where Vision's talking to Ultron? It might be dialogue wise. It's at least, so right? good. Yes, where Vision is just like explaining to Ultron. He's like, "This, you know what? I'm I'm gonna try, even though they're probably doomed. Even though they're probably gonna blow blow themselves up." And he's like, "Well, you know, uh, oh, it's great. Oh, it's like." And I remember thinking that when I came out of the, the theater too, that just how good that scene was. And like watching it again, oh man, that's. One of these days, we'll, we'll we'll need to while we're going through these, we're gonna have to try and come up with just a list of like the best moments or scenes in the MCU. So that would be up there. So your review on the poster is two out of five. Vision's pretty good. <laughs> yes. Um, does he come out of nowhere for you? His design does. No, I'm not talking design. I mean, like within the story, does does Vision feel shoehorned into this movie? I don't think so. Okay. Because I've heard that complaint before. I don't really know where I sit on it, be, just because I enjoy Paul Bettany so I, much. I wish that one way or another, <clears throat> they had had him be, like, <clears throat> plain metallic vibranium to start off with. And then somehow or another, he sees colors he likes or sees a uniform he likes or something, like he does with Thor's cape, and turns his entire body into a different color to differentiate himself from Ultron once he has his own personality. I feel like that would make it a lot less kind of weird. Because yeah. as it is, it's like, oh, why is he like this weird red dude that Ultron's building? And then he just turns green for some reason. Yeah, and then he just adds on like a green costume because he's it's naked. Because it's a nice touch. He sees Thor with the cape and then he gives himself a cape. Yeah. But there's there's not the same logic. What about the rest of him? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that, I think, would have helped a little bit. But overall, I think it makes sense. He's Ultron wants a body that can't be destroyed. Yeah. You know, he wants the Mind Stone for himself. But then he picks up the hammer and it's... I remember in the theater, the crowd yeah. just like completely losing their yeah. minds at that yeah. bit. Oh, it's great. <laughs> and then they have the conversation at the end about the, the, the line elevators not worthy is, is, that is a, that is a top line in the MCU <laughs> right there. Um, but no, going, going back to what you're saying though about the, his plan, it, it would be fascinating if it wasn't immediately, I'm gonna go blow everything up. All right, I, I gained science, now it's time to go destroy it. If Ultron was conflicted through the entire movie and only sort of was pulled in that direction, and instead of like immediately jumping from kind of conflicted to I kind of hate the Avengers to immediately jump to I'm now James Spader in a robot costume and I make quips and I want to blow everything up. I, I want James Spader like dressed up in a bunch of cardboard boxes <laughs> that are like painted to look like like metal. There are no strings on me. <laughs> They're just like, who, what? Huh? Um, yeah. Could we have just gotten James Spader painted metallic gray? Like like he's in a Tin Man costume? <laughs> or like he's one of those like uh, street performers who stands like a statue, paints himself up and stands like yeah. a statue. God. I have no problem with this. <laughs> James Spader's a good actor. He could pull it off. <laughs> he probably could. Might be scarier. Um... <laughs> Yes, yes, it would be. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's. I want him to to tell me what he's thinking about like 
the universe because it seems like we're going to get an Ultron who really is conflicted and doesn't quite know what's happening. Yeah. And like the part, like you just said, the part where he's like, I don't understand the mission. I wish he just showed up and then he like said something to the Avengers and then maybe we don't necessarily need to have a battle scene there because it's kind of just useless anyway. And then instead maybe he just disappears. Yeah. He's just, like, he just goes away and they're like, uh, what do we just do? And then they spend some time trying to track him down. Maybe he pops up in <clears throat> Africa and that's how that plays in. Well, I'd be fine if he's like, I want to kill everyone. I want to wipe out humanity, but he needs to talk about it more. Like there's there's a bit where Thor says something like we have peace, and Ultron goes, "I think you confuse peace with quiet," mm-hmm. which is a very great line. Mm-hmm. I feel like there should be something with that sure. where he he's just like conflict never ends, so I'm gonna end the conflict. So he just like goes to destroy everything. I guess I still feel like that's such a stretch though. And it's so different from... I, like, when we first get those few opening lines, I'm like, from him, I'm like, oh, this is going to be really yeah. cool. Um, most what if, most what if the, I'm thinking about, because he keeps showing the line where, where Tony goes, peace in our time. Mm-hmm. Just like... So he sees peace as, just wipe everything out. What if the... Going back to the idea of... All right, here's here's my fanfiction for Rage of Ultron. <laughs> going back to the idea of... Um, that is, we're in the scene with Claw. He cuts off Claw's arm. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, he, he's also Andy Circus is great in this movie, yes. even though he's in it for like thirty yes. seconds. And he's even better in Black Panther. Go see yeah. Black Panther. Um, <laughs> Everyone already did five times. Probably did, but just in case. Um, His weird bit about cuttlefish, though, <laughs> it's great. Oh, I love that. That it's... almost feels like something Andy Circus came up with, and they were like, okay, that sounds good. Um, I buy it. But yeah, going back to that part where he cuts off his arm and it kind of just happens, and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, like. What if that was a thing? I'm almost imagining. So, so what if Ultron through most of this movie is mostly just cobbled together with Iron Legion parts, and then what he's trying to do with Vision is build an actual human body, and then what if the Avengers actually make a choice of some sort, or like obviously not a human body, but like that's that would play into the, like the the cell structure thing that they're doing with the the fancy tissue repair stuff. Um, and so all he wants to do is be a human and that's the, it, it, it's Pinocchio it's there are no strings I mean like what if that is the plot of the movie is that he is just he just wants to be human and that's kind of what he's doing but he's also he's already kind of gone into oh I'm a wisecracking evil villain dude um, what if he's just very like scared and misunderstood and he's like I don't like humans this is a, this world is terrifying I liked it in my little soul stone or mind stone or whatever yeah um, and he is just trying to puts them together because he wants to be human and he wants to i don't know something there where where that's his plan and that's why he's trying to create vision and then in the process of trying to like collect the materials to do this he's going horribly overboard and like murdering people or he's trying to steal supplies and doesn't understand like why it's a problem that he's killing people to do so yeah something like that where that slowly plays into something more of eventually they steal Vision's body from him because they're like, what is he going to do with this? Is it super powerful? We can't allow him to have this. Almost a, a Batman versus Superman conflict thing of we can't have someone this powerful. You know, same idea where they, the, the Avengers are like, we created this guy and we're, or Tony Stark is like, we created, I created this guy. I'm scared of him. I don't want him to have this power. So they take it away from him. And then that turns him against them. And that ultimately makes him be like, oh, so the humanity hates me, something like that. Then he creates the ultimate Ultron face with, like, or Ultron suit with, you know, the the freaky red glowing face and, like, 
vibranium and huge and metal and like it's impossible to destroy and just something really terrifying and then that then you can turn it into wants to destroy the world because he doesn't think humans are worth protecting or something like that i feel like there is a more personal interesting character-driven story to tell about ultron as an ai growing to learn about the world than what we get in this movie that's, that's my pitch uh, okay that's fair <laughs> I feel like this movie has already has so much going on that I mean this is this would be ripping out part of the yeah. plot and then putting this part plot in. I, um, I for me I think it would be fixed if he just talked a little bit more about it. That's fine too, but I and, and this partially goes back to me not liking the Ultron design at yeah. all. Um so I I want some excuse to if change that. If they explained it a little bit better and they kept the jokes to a minimum with him and he was a bit more like he is in the first and last scenes. Yes. Then Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that would have gone a long way and yes. possibly made Ultron one of the best if mm -hmm. not the best MCU villains. Mm -hmm. He starts off seeming like he's going to be well, one this, of the best comic At this point, villains. he's still in the upper echelon by default. Yeah, I guess. I'd, I, I could watch James Spader animated or not yeah, do anything. Yeah, so. exactly. Again, performance yeah. oh, is, is the only thing determining these villains and, and what the difference is. Yeah. Yeah. Christopher Eccleston. <laughs> I hoard myself out for those movies. <laughs> he tried. Probably. Apparently not, though. <laughs> um, what else do we want to talk about? Do we, let's let's talk about good good old Tony Stark. Mm -hmm. Should he face repercussions at the end of this movie? I don't. I'm I'm kind of back. And well, forth this about we it. never really talked about the vagueness of him creating Ultron. Oh yeah. Because Continue. it seems like he taps him out of the Mind Stone, basically. Almost like that. Almost seems to be the, the case. Yeah. Like they 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 discuss. There's a line where they say that they hadn't even started like processing any of the data. They were just like pulling it from the Mind Stone. To they hadn't it. really started build, building him into anything yeah. yet. Yeah, they were just pulling him into existence from the Mind Stone's code. Which is this movie has a weird relationship with technology. And by that I mean it plays it like how a fifth grader thinks about technology, or or the nineties. Is what I would say. That, yeah. uh, there's a lot of just like the he escaped into the you internet. You know what's funny? Because in Iron Man three, he says it's not the '90s anymore. Nobody says hacker. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh. kind of feels like <laughs> we're in that world. There's he escapes from the internet, and there's the Nexus, which the is like central hub of the internet. Like all the internet goes through the Nexus, and I'm like, I'm not sure. And it's just thing. like millions of servers in this one particular location. Yes. I guess. Um, it's kind of weird. And that's where Tony goes, and he finds out that Jarvis is still alive. Yeah. Um, also, the weird holographic projections of Jarvis and Ultron. Which is a neat Which is neat to start with. It's like, okay, holographic well, that, projections. Well, it's cool as a visual representation for Tony and Bruce to look at. But then... But then, when, when the, the, the representation of Ultron starts attacking the representation yeah. of Jarvis... It's like, what is this... And there's, like, sound effects of him hitting Jarvis, yeah. and it's just very strange. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that should all be, like, visually told to us, like, inside the computer. Yes. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't like it. I agree. <laughs> very odd. Mm -hmm. uh. But, yeah, they, they, they have a line where, where they say that they've, like, barely started putting Ultron together. It's kind of just like Ultron immediately 
took on a life yeah. of its own. So, like, he was basically... It, like, came out of the Mind Stone. It kind of just willed itself into existence. Yes. So, that raises the question of whether or not it's Tony's fault at all. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like the movie also kind of implies that he's, like, I don't know. That he's, like, guilty about this and that... Yeah. People think he did cause this and, like, that's what the other Avengers think. I don't know. Well, I mean, they do say that they, they blame themselves. Like, when they're putting Vision together... Mm-hmm. And he's having to win Bruce over. Bruce was like, I helped create a giant murder death bot. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my main problem is, like, do people outside the Avengers know that Tony created Ultron? Like, what's the story? No. I'm very confused about that. And then, like, he faces no repercussions at the oh, end. Oh, th- no. Th- I-, I know what I was thinking of, or why I was confused. Because we supposedly he didn't really have a hand in making him, but then there was the thing we were talking about how he influenced his personality. Oh right, right. So yeah, it's like what? Both? What? How? It's a little back and forth. Yeah. But then Tony just kind of drives off into the sunset like he did nothing wrong. Yeah. It's kind of his fault. <laughs> a little bit. Just a, just a touch. Now, to be fair, he's irrational. He had the vision of everybody dying, mm-hmm. which, by the way, we need to get into Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch more. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has the vision of everybody dying, so it's like uh, on that end, okay, he's being irrational, he's being fearful, he's being Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. I get that, but he there are there are no repercussions for him at the end of the movie, and of course we get into it with Civil War. There's, they start to address it there, but that's like months down the road in terms of when these stories take place. Yeah, I find that bothersome. Yeah. Alright, that's all I got. <laughs> There's not much to address or fix that. Yeah. But I, I don't I don't know if it's a problem or not. It's one of those it's things not, I don't think it's because they kind of established that it's not really his deal, I don't know. It's it's hard to well, say. Well, especially because he he blames himself for like everything that goes wrong in his life. Yeah. And just the fact that, like, people have to be dying in this situation. And we do... Uh, in Sokovia... Or in the next movie, we get told people die in Sokovia on yeah. his watch. Yeah. I feel like he should be blaming himself yeah. a lot more at the end of this movie. Would be very nice to get an Iron Man 4 in between this and Civil War, but... I don't know. That shaky ground, yeah. I'll say. Which is the problem, is that I feel like there's a lot more you could... I was thinking the same thing about how I feel like you could have an Avengers movie either before or after this as well that could kind of be one more extra step along the way but I don't know at the same time I mean they, they do want to get I think to be I guess I guess part of the consideration there is actor contracts and just like actors wanting to and them having to give Robert Downey Jr. like 50 million yeah. dollars every movie yeah it's, it's, it's a budgeting thing it's a logistics thing and that's obviously why they're not producing you know an Avengers movie every year. Yeah. But, and it makes Infinity War more, more of an event because of that, but, I don't know. I, I think there's something to be thought about there as far as maybe just slowing it down just a touch and, and fleshing it out with one or two more movies. I think that could have been helpful. It's strange. Because like I was saying, I wish Winter Soldier had talked, uh, you know, set up Ultron a bit mm-hmm. more. I kind of wish like Ultron had set up a Civil War a bit more. Yeah. Like at the end of the movie maybe there's an end scene where he's talking to some government officials or something and they're like you're way out of line we have to do something about this and then they start to put together the Sokovia Accords yeah. 
Which I guess, at least there's a lot more connection there because it's, oh, the Sokovia Accords yeah. are directly a result of the events of Age of Ultron, so there's something. Yeah, there's but, something, yeah. but no, no. just time-wise, it, it's just weird that he drives off into the sunset like nothing's yeah. wrong. That's fair. Strange. Mm-hmm. Doctor Strange. That mm-hmm. was terrible. Let's I talk agree. about Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. They're fine. <laughs> they don't get a ton to do. Um, the weirdest part is just, you got Aaron Taylor Johnson and Elizabeth Olsen, who play husband and wife in the Godzilla movie from 2013, and hear their yes. siblings. That's creepy. A little bit. Oh, do we want to talk about the weird Scarlet Witch scene? That shouldn't have been in the movie? Okay, so at the very beginning <laughs> of the movie, uh, when they're attacking Strucker's base, and Captain America goes in and confronts Strucker, Scarlet Witch shows up, pushes Cap down some stairs, then, like... Exorcist what? walks. Like, exorcist walks, but, like, super fast. Yeah, yeah no, that's like, what I'm saying. Like, that's the, yeah. the, the little creepy, like... It's, yeah. it's, like, jittery frames. Yeah, like something you'd see in, like, a, a crappy horror trailer yeah. or something, where they, you know, she moves super fast. Yeah. Like, quick cuts. Yeah. Oh, how'd she do that? And it's like, how did she do that? Did Quicksilver show up and, like, <laughs> move her three feet away? Yeah. It's very weird. Yeah. And then... But... And then, she, but like, she doesn't even, like, take Strucker and, like, escape because Strucker's yeah. just still there and then Captain America knocks him out. Just gets up and he's like, what? And he knocks, her, knocks him out. But then the very next scene, we Tony goes in and he finds the, the scepter and then she gives him the vision of, of the Avengers dying. Yes. It's like, why isn't this her introductory yeah, why, scene? Yeah, why, why, that would make way more sense since we've already introduced Quicksilver, the speed guy, and then later Maria Hill explains that she is largely like mental manipulation and yeah. that's like kind of her thing so it's like why not just start with that you can have the telekinetic stuff I'm still can she move fast <laughs> I don't know or is that supposed to be like is it a mind thing is, is it a mind thing is it supposed to be like oh that's what Captain America saw but that's n- I guess. not actually what happened sure Joss Whedon what's happening <laughs> tell me I want to know would this movie do you think have yes okay <laughs> thanks for wo- joining us today um, <laughs> would this movie have been better do you think if we got if Joss Whedon had been given more control because I from the sound of it it does sound like Joss Whedon was kind of restrained I mean this is the reason Ike Perlmutter got kicked out of the, the kind of movie I've, division I've heard mixed things I've heard for the most part the story is exactly what he wanted minus yeah. the Thor vision stuff yeah I don't know. I've I've heard contradictory things about how much control he had on this. Yes, because because it, it my understanding it was there been, was a longer. It could have been an Alan Taylor type thing where they had control while they were making it, mm-hmm. and then post production Marvel kind of stuck its hands in. Yeah. I don't know. My understanding is that there was a longer cut of this at one point, and they kind of cut it down. Not like a super long one, but like cut out like half an hour or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, his Ultron feels very Whedon-esque. I feel like you could get about the same runtime and cut out some stupid stuff yeah. and put back in some of the more important stuff. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. No, no. Side note. Nothing new with anything. Just I appreciate be... that they brought back... The, I'm just completely changing topic here. So right. You can come back to that in a second. No, it's um, fine. <laughs> I, I, was, I was just going to say there's got to be a better edit of this yeah, movie. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, there's a lot of weird editing in like the action scenes, I feel like, and stuff. 
where there's just things where it's like, why is that character there? And like, how did that character do that? Or that they move position. I feel like there's a lot of. But weird. then you get a wide panning shot circling around them as they fight robots, and the music swells, you and do. it's great. It is great. Um, also great, dude from uh, Winter Soldier that stood up to. Uh, I think it was Rumlo threatening him. Oh yeah, the the nerdy guy with with the the curly hair. Yeah. Uh, he shows up in this movie as on the helicarrier, and he has a little joke about. It's a, it's a funny joke. I don't know how I, it's kind of in the middle of the, the climactic third act of the movie, uh, but he has a nice little joke, and it's like, oh hey, continuity. Yeah, he's they stuck with him because he didn't give him up. Yep, I like it. Let's briefly address Nick Fury. Yeah, I guess that would be a... a, a they do some weird backtracking with him, and it's mostly just the fact that he shows up wearing the eye patch. <laughs> like, they make a big deal at the end of Winter Soldier, like, he burns that thing, and he's just wearing sunglasses. Yes. Like, he's abandoning his old self because he's leaving S.H.I.E.L.D. and Hydro it behind. It very much feels like a cool Russo Brothers idea that would be a good step forward for the character and taking him in a new direction yeah. that everyone else is like, ah, nah, let's not do that. And by everyone else, I basically mean Joss Whedon, because does Fury show up again after this? No. Yeah. This is so, the last we've seen of him. Yeah. Is he in... He's in Infinity War, right? Is that confirmed? I don't think anybody knows. Okay. I could be wrong. Interesting. It's also very weird that he's not in Civil War. But that's... Sure. That's another story. But... I'm fine with him showing up with, like, Maria Hill and a bunch of ex-Shield people on a helicarrier. Mm-hmm. But he shouldn't be... He's wearing the same exact outfit. Yeah. What do you... Symbolically, what are you trying to tell me about what his what what headspace his character is yeah. at? Because it feels like he's just right back to being normal Nick Fury. That being said, that bothers me. The fact that the helicarrier is a propeller-based helicarrier is a really really cool little touch. Where it's like it's the propellers as opposed to, or no, I guess. Do I have the complete mix up? Isn't it more like hover technology or something? Maybe I am thinking of. What movie am I thinking of that has the... Is, is Winter Soldier the one with... The, what movie are you thinking of? Does Winter Soldier... do like those 50 different movies. Do those here. helicarriers have hover? Like, the, it's not like a propeller. It's like they, they like the technology, like, floats. I don't know what I'm talking about. I might be getting very confused with the comics. Just just ignore me. I don't think got the repulsor technology. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. Okay. For some reason, I was thinking the one in Avengers did, but that's not true because the whole Iron Man thing. So, um... Right, right, okay. So basically, they're just bringing back the original Avengers helicarrier, which is, is not quite as exciting. For some reason, I was thinking that the Avengers helicarrier had the repulsor technology, and then I was like, oh, that'd be really cool. They brought back like an old helicarrier with pe- propellers, but it already had the propellers. I'm getting very confused. It's late. <laughs> Did we talk about Quicksilver's death yet? We mentioned it. We mentioned, mentioned it in, in conjunction with Hawkeye. Okay. Early on, when you were talking about how much you like him. Okay. Just, just trying to cover our bases here. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Captain America real quick. Um, he has a nice uh, kind of subdued arc mm-hmm. in this that I really appreciated where, you know, he, he, he's a man out of time and he kind of realizes that he kind of needs conflict <laughs> and and he realizes how just how much he's lost and stuff. It's, it's very nice. Mm-hmm. And Ultron says I'm like, you're, you're a man who thinks he can have peace, but he always needs wars. Yeah. I totally butchered that line. Um, then at the end, he decides to lead the Avengers permanently, which I liked. 
Mm-hmm. And and he hear the specifically the moment where he hears soldiers marching outside of the Avengers, uh, new Avengers headquarters, and he says, "I'm home." Yeah. It's like, he finally has his place because, like, he mentions that the the old the person he used to be was the one who wanted stability and peace, and and he is has you know coming into the new era has kind of turned him into more of a soldier. Yeah. Very cool. It's almost like we care about how these characters progress and change. <laughs> Captain America is by far the the best tracked and best uh, motivated and and kind of explored a character in the MCU. I think I, I, no one really comes close. He has the best trilogy. Iron Man gets explored a lot, but his movies are a little bit shaky and. Yes. There's some slight backtracking in yes. between movies. The, no, every because we have a different director handling him, pretty much every time. Yeah, and so it's kind of like eh, I don't know about that. Yeah, it's fine. It's all fine. Oh geez, yeah. Because if you think about it, because Captain America obviously, the, Joe Johnston, the first one, and then and Joss the Whedon Russo, and Joss Whedon. Well, Joss Russo Whedon, Russo Brothers. Brothers, Joss Whedon. So it's like okay, that's like. Three different people by this point have, you know, kind of looked Four at him. Four different people. Okay, fetch. Gah! Three different creative teams have looked at him, and then we go back to the Russo brothers, and then the Russo brothers are going to be doing Infinity War as well. You look at Iron Man. You've got. Uh, Favreau directed the first one, right? I'm not going crazy there. Yes. Yeah. So we've got Favreau twice. Then Whedon. Then Shane Black. Then Shane Black. Then Whedon again. Then the Russo brothers. Yeah. And it's kind of like... Uh, it doesn't sound like that much different, I guess, but it is... it is. I don't know. I feel like there's something to be said about the consistency there. Agree. Just because, <laughs> mostly just because he got his movies knocked out so early in the franchise. Yeah. That it's... When, when they were still finding their footing... I kind of regret watching all of these movies. Why? For, for this. Because I feel like, just discussing them, I feel like a lot of the structural integrity has kind of faltered. <laughs> yeah. Like, for the most part, there's still good movies, and I like this universe, and I love the characters, but there's just... There's a lot of problems. There are. And that, that's kind of bound to happen. I think. And the OCD side of me is just like, no, it needs to be perfect! I am very Get curious. Get fan edits of every single one of these movies that's not directed by the Russo brothers! <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. I'm very excited to... to... And even then, only an A-. minus. <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited to start this entire... This next run here, because I think... This is where they really hit their stride, and they finally know what they're doing. Probably because like Perlmutter has left, um, and they start to bring in more creative types and kind of have less studio control. It seems, and I'm very excited. I, I think this is going to be where we finally get the payoff that we've been working towards through all these movies. Because even with Guardians: Winter Soldier, which everyone is like, "Oh, those are the best, some of the best in the MCU," yeah, maybe they are. Uh, we still have some some pretty significant problems. Ish, not significant. Um, I shouldn't put it that way, but we have problems with those, and so I, I'm I'm very curious to see if we do finally hit a sustained run of all of these movies are actually excellent. Um, so we'll see how we feel in review as we get closer to that. Do we have any more character or plot stuff we need to address? 
Because now we should probably start getting into the technical stuff. But the Hulkbuster is cool. Yeah, it's a good fight. It's very entertaining. I like Betty and Veronica. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's that's a very nice like subtle yeah thing yeah. Um, but yeah, did any any other story things we wanted to get into? No. All right, cool. <laughs> Fair enough. Um. I noticed this with Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's the it's like, oh, yeah. it's particularly the color grading mm-hmm. of the movies. Like th- this movie's not particularly good looking, and I'm not yeah. sure if how much of it is like the color grading and how much of it is just there are so many special effects and a lot of them just look very rushed. Particularly the opening, yeah, like the opening um, scene where it's just like. Oh, we're doing the shot where we cut back and forth between all the Avengers again. It's a single shot. Isn't it great? Mm. It's like, yeah, it's cool. But a lot of that CGI doesn't look very good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's weird. There's there's some very video game-esque CGI effects going on here. And like when they go to cut South scenes. Africa and Iron Man starts fighting Ultron, it does not look very good. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot of yeah it's very like strange. it feels like they're not in that environment just like the way they're moving around the physics of it it doesn't look it, like they're it in also that very much feels like we're out of joss whedon's wheelhouse for this movie there's a ton of action i think a lot more than kind of because avengers is fairly dialogue heavy i mean there's the action scene with um the, the there's, there's like, the fight scene there's at the like, beginning there's four main set pieces right yes and and this movie is kind of just constant yeah, like there's there's always someone beating up something. It feels like pretty much, um, and because of that, I think you need someone who has a lot more experience with that. And Joss Whedon is a lot more of a, a TV guy. It, it almost feels like he is he is oversaturating the movie. Hear me out. Hear me yes. out here. Joss Whedon writes it. Him and Alan Taylor co-direct. Yeah, that would be good. I would enjoy that. Or just have Alan Taylor direct it. The performances are not my problem with Thor: The Dark World. Sure. Outside of maybe Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, like the, I feel like the oversaturation has something to do with Whedon being like maybe not feeling because there's a lot of like glare. I think on 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 shots, it's not lens flares quite, but there's a lot of kind of things look a little too bright in some cases and way too dark in others. Yeah, and like there's there's shines and I don't know. I I, I don't know what all the the technical <clears throat> descriptions of that would be but I just feel like it doesn't look all that good some of the time and it almost feels like he's worried and trying to kind of like compensate for the fact that his directing style is pretty flat all things considered like it's not typically that like yeah cinematic um like nobody's talking about the Avengers going the cinematography is incredible yes. the, like you could you can maybe argue that in the third act yeah. um but yeah, outside of that. Well, it's more just like there's some cool shots in there, not not like overall, overall the cinematography. The composition yeah. of the movie is amazing. Yeah, exactly. So it's just very weird, mm-hmm. and I don't know how much of it is like I know I know that they've been using digital cameras for a while at this point. I just, I don't know if they have like a default color grading thing that they just like <laughs> like when they're done with the movie they're just like, all right now do do that and they just select that on the computer. But it's not the same for any of these. 
It it really isn't. Winter Soldier is way less. Winter Soldier is, is for, subdued. For me, Iron Man three doesn't look that good. But Iron Man three Guardians didn't look that good, sure. and this doesn't look that good. Well, see, I think there's three different things going on there though, because I think Iron Man three had like this weird orange filter. Yeah, orange brown. It yeah. wasn't very good. Um, I feel like Winter Soldier. Uh, I know that's not one you mentioned, but Winter Soldier is just looks very subdued and very plain, yeah. and because of that, it works really well. Um, but Guardians feels like it's trying to apply the same thing to some really colorful, really um, vibrant set pieces, and so that makes it look really muted and weird. Yeah. And then this movie <clears throat> feels like they're trying really hard to make it look cinematic and dark and like kind of I don't know, I don't know what all goes into that, but it, it feels like they're trying really hard to uh, oversaturate it into turning it into more of a yeah, just like a cinematic movie. I don't know. I, I, I feel like those are all different issues. Just all right. Just take two different group shots. First Avengers movie, you get the nice mm -hmm. wide shot of all the Avengers standing there. Remember how colorful that looks? Mm -hmm. Cut to the scene where they're all grouped together. They're in the circular room and they're confronting Ultron. And Thor goes, "Is that the best you've got?" Yeah. And they're all in there. Yeah. Like compare the color. Yeah. Between each exactly. of those scenes, like they all look super pale in Ultron. Yeah. Like, like, there's, like, no color in their faces. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Their faces are very bright. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We'll and and to... I know that's a weird technical nitpick, but I found it very distracting. I agree. We'll have to track that, because I'm, I don't remember what Ant-Man looks like in that regard. I don't remember Ant-Man. No, that's kind of... I mean, I, I remember a good bit of it. But I'm just... I remember it being better than Terminator Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, well, I'm going to try... I want to bring this conversation up a lot because I think this will be something interesting to watch because certainly I don't think that will apply to unless we watch again and we're just like oh maybe not um, I feel like that that won't apply to Guardians of the Galaxy 2 I, I feel like that doesn't really apply to Civil War because Civil War does the same thing Winter Soldier did but I think it that kind of hurts Civil War a little bit because you've got not one quite as colorful because you've got yeah. like that airport fight considering how many superheroes you got there I think it looks kind of bland yeah. that's just me maybe Oh, no, I'm just trying to think ahead because I feel like we'll... Yeah. We'll keep track of that. Spider-Man Homecoming's pretty colorful. Yeah. I just feel like that's very flatly shot. Yeah. yeah. Because... Weedon-esque, if you will. <laughs> Only it's saturated or lighted or whatever you want to call it, uh, like the first Avengers and not like Age of Ultron. You want to address the score as our last thing? Yeah. So, Brian Tyler did it's it pretty at good. first. And then they decided... Hey, we actually want continuity. Let's have Danny Elfman come in here and insert some more Avengers themes. Mm. And it's fantastic. <laughs> the, again, the, the end titles for this are incredible. Where you've got the Greek statue type thing of all the Avengers there in like marble and they're fighting the Ultron bots. It's incredible and the score that's playing with it, it's it's kinda like a new it, it's like a new Danny Elfman type theme, but then it weaves in the mm. Avengers theme. It's great. There's a lot of nice moments that pop up in and out throughout the movie that you, you'll hear something and you'll be like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And then, of course, they, they do have the music swell a couple of times, like 30 of the... Once or twice, they insert the Iron Man 3 theme. Because mm -hmm. Brian Tyler, yeah, like you said... I guess. ...did this at first. It's like, do that in all of your movies! Yeah. Come on! I don't know. You can't do this to <laughs> me! But yes, Danny Elfman's music in here is far better than in Justice League. <laughs> yeah. 
strange. I'm, I'm trying to think of my grades here. <laughs> no, no, because I'm just thinking like, okay, so his mandate for this was like, bring back Avengers music. That was their mandate for mm-hmm. Danny Elfman in this. <laughs> then in Justice League, they're like, do whatever you want. And he's like, I'm going to insert the Superman theme and the Batman theme from different franchises with no context, and it's going to sound terrible. <laughs> also, the Avengers theme. What? <laughs> and the Hulk. Just... And the 2003 Angley Hulk <laughs> music, because I did that too. Also, the soundtrack to Resident <laughs> Evil 5. Also, the music for Spider-Man 3. I didn't even work on that one. <laughs> And Free Willy too. <laughs> What's hey, a great? Don't you be knocking the scores. I'm, I'm laying to it down. Free Willy. I'm laying it down. Those are good scores. I'm sure they are. I'm laying it down. What's your What's your What's your grade? Slap it down. I'm thinking B minus. I find this movie very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, just Just uh, give everybody some context. When we were done watching the movie, I was kind of sitting in it like a B plus. Yeah. Just talking about it a bit more. They're saying there, there's, I find huge problems with Ultron himself. Mm. I find some big problems with with Tony and especially the the whole thing about him having no repercussions at the end. Sure. Um. Color grading's dodgy. Some of the CGI is dodgy, but I still find it very entertaining. And there's just so many ideas and so many character moments and so many bits of action. That I find memorable and I, I, I really enjoy. I, I, this is a movie I like watching a lot. Mm. Like if, if I'm thinking, I feel like watching a Marvel movie. This is probably one of the first ones I'll pop in. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, it's because going into this, I was thinking, oh, this will probably be like an A minus at least. Mm-hmm. This is like one of my favorites, and it's just yeah. exactly a little, <laughs> little sobering, if you will. Yeah. So you're going B? B. Okay. Yeah. Um, the same, same, same idea. The same exact grades we gave Guardians of the Galaxy, by the way. Uh, yeah. Um, that makes, my that makes sense about... to me. <clears throat> particularly because this movie has more ambition than Guardians of the Galaxy. So I think I feel like it gets more right. And it, it gets, also gets, it more, gets wrong. more wrong. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> I think the biggest problems are Ultron. I think like you mentioned, there, it doesn't always look all that... It's not, it's not always that, all that nice to watch. Not to say and that it's like, like it's it's such an ugly no, movie. I'm no. not saying that. It's just it feels like, particularly after the first Avengers movie, which yeah. is just so <clears throat> colorful. Exactly. This just feels like a weird step down. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, and and my thing too is just like, like I, I I was comparing this. I was thinking I'll probably give this a B plus after we watched it, and I was comparing it to movies like um, what are some recent ones that we've we've said like Wonder Woman or Iron Man or, or something like that where Iron Man's a little bit of a different case I'm trying to think of ones that where I was like really compelled by the something emotionally really 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 hit me I feel like there's a big example I'm missing and I think I brought this up at the end of the last two podcasts as well oh god god what are you doing I'm sorry but I feel like what takes this a step down is that this movie doesn't really feel like a vehicle for celebrating the heroes i feel like there's a because there's so much weird stuff going on and so much of it is involved with ultron and i don't really like see you ultron say that movie. but then there's so much of an emphasis placed on them saving people no that's what i'm saying though is that like it feels like the movie is kind of just sitting around going like oh no it's happening like that pops up every now and then and like they clearly have a mind for that like with the stark relief fund and everything but it is at the very end of the movie they're like oh there's a big set piece let's have him have him save some people it doesn't really feel like it's about the characters being heroes. It feels like we're trying to focus a lot on Ultron and 
Ultron doesn't really work that well, and there is a couple uh, minor tweaks, and you got exactly, it. exactly. This could be a really spectacular movie because there's some really, really good stuff in this, but it is it frustrates me quite a bit. So next week we're talking about Ant Man. Who? <laughs> Ant Lord Man. Um, yeah. Legendary Outlaw? Yeah, it still works. <laughs> uh, you can find us on herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. Oh, Go for an hour and a half, On geez. email, herecomethesequels at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at hctsequels. Just, like, bother me because I never use that anymore, but, like, feel free to and I will I will update if, if other people actually care about it. Me um, posts laughing it at us for for realizing that Ultron's not as good. <laughs> actually, what everyone else kind of said it was. Yeah. Um, and I I feel like we're probably still higher. Yeah, we are. Most we definitely are. Um, Wait, I can have fun watching a movie even though it's not the best thing ever made. No. All right, F. Locking it in. <laughs> you can find us on YouTube and iTunes. You search us. Avengers Age of Failure. Correct. Continue. I think that's everything. I'll probably miss something. It's fine. <laughs> Who cares? Whatever. Everything is toil under the sun. Yep. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Art is subjective. Nothing is real. <laughs>